Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Could some ACC movement be coming soon in the form of the Clemson Tigers? couple thoughts on that. Also, we'll revisit yesterday's conversation about Oregon State and Washington State, and then a fresh set of my Tuesday power rankings. It's the second week we're doing it. We do it every single Tuesday. We do the Saturday winner's circle, Sunday loser's corner, and then we do the power rankings on the Monday slash Tuesday. That's how we begin your week in the Big 12. This is the Neighborhood Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. The best place for five plus days a week of Big 12 content, as is at NWPod365, as is at Josh Neighbors underscore on Twitter and slash X. Also, you guys can find this show wherever you get your podcast if you cannot watch us on the YouTubes. So make sure you all find us in those places. Five star review, like the videos, leave your comments as well. So the reason why we're doing this couple things, you all had a bunch of thoughts about my Oregon State and Washington State video. And I'm going to uh, leave a couple thoughts on this. Number one, if anybody can find me an article, and I'm asking this genuinely about the uh, about Oregon State and Washington State, and where it says you know like that somebody as reputable has written about them potentially coming into a 300 plus million dollar windfall if they are able to still maintain a two team conference that gets recognized by the college football playoff, please send it to me. I will give you credit on this show. I'd like to see it. I know the navigate information everybody has been talking about that was done. I believe without the, uh, you know, without the knowledge that the conference would obviously break up. So like, I think obviously some, some things from there would change, but the idea that, that, that they could be set up to, to haul in some serious cash, please send that to me. I'd like to read that. Um, I looked last night, I kept Googling Oregon state, Washington state, $300 million college ball playoff, all those things. And look, I would say the big thing on that front is let's wait to see how things go for them in their court battle against the Pac-12, trying to get control of the assets and everything. And, uh, you know, if they do that, it's a big victory for them because they can then try to reform the conference. They could sell off some of the assets. Now, if they were to sell it off, you think a merger would be happening, whatever. But they can still keep the conference name and stuff and still merge with somebody else, right? Like if they could still sell off assets, you know, hey, stuff from the Pac-12 network, you could sell that stuff off and also still you could rejoin a, a new conference. But we'll see, right? So I would say like before we make any... Uh, big sweeping generalizations about what their future is, I would say let's watch there. But I, I would tell you all this. The fact that they're fighting really hard to main, maintain the name and everything, I think obviously shows you that they want to keep that conference alive. Uh, I think there's a lot of incentives to keep it alive. I just have some serious doubts, and I know what people are saying, oh, they have to recognize all the conferences. has to be unanimous. Kirk Scholes might not you know, uh, allow that to happen. Look, like I have a really difficult time uh, believing the fact that the other conference commissioners would be like, well, there's nothing we can do. They're a two team league and it has to be unanimous. I mean, these people backdoor each other. Like they've backdoored everything the entire time. Uh, and so I, I have a tough time thinking that like if they wanted to go to court and say, this would be a violation of that. Or if they wanted to say, Hey, a grace period that was given for two years to backfill your conference. Uh, I have a difficult time believing that, you know, that they wouldn't have some success. I don't think Oregon State, Washington State are like not going to make some money. I think they've got some opportunities here. I think, you know, uh, 
I think some, you know, a court system, a legal system, some folks would take pity on them. I'm not a lawyer in any way, shape or form, but I think they're going to end up being like, end up in a conference. I don't think their schools are going away. Just a matter of what conference I don't believe right now it's power conference, which gets me to part number two about television networks. Somebody commented and said, Bob Thompson said that the conferences don't run or not run by the TV networks. They actually don't do that. It's, it's, um, it's the conferences. If Bob, a former Fox exec, said that the TV networks were running it, that would be like a massive violation of, I just kind of like a moral and ethical code, right? Like saying the quiet part out loud is not in Bob's best interest. But I will tell you this, make sense of this then for me. If we know for a fact that it was reported that not everybody in the Big Ten was on board with adding all of the schools or the in Oregon and Washington and whatnot, they still did it anyway. Who's calling the shots? Who wanted to add them then? Uh, the, the TV networks, right? OU and Texas, the SEC. Who benefits from that the most? The TV networks. Think about this fight. We're about to talk about the ACC. Uh, who wants Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina and Miami and whoever else to remain in the ACC? ESPN does because they have them on a good contract for a long time. That is why nobody yet has brought up a really uh, tangible path at this point in time for those schools to exit the league. Right. So you just think about all of this stuff right now and also waiting out the Pac-12. It makes sense. that The Big 12 added the four schools they did. ESPN just wants late night inventory. They did not want to pay for the whole conference at that price. And they got what they wanted. The, the television partners, guys, are running this thing. Do not get it twisted. How does this thing? How does this entire thing work? The advertising uh, advertising dollars come in to put these games on TV TV pays the conferences for the games. The schools get paid by the conferences, et cetera, et cetera, right? So the ultimate say is the TV networks because they are the ones paying the schools. The schools need the money, right? So the, the TV networks are running this thing and you're kind of beholden to the TV networks. Uh, the SEC is basically owned at this point by, by Disney, right? There's the CBS games going away. They've got everything. And there is incentive for them to get OU in Texas in early. We know that right now they're going to they're going to help out with some payments to those schools. They're going to make some early payments to those schools to make sure that they're OK, because it is in their interest to get OU in Texas in the league in the SEC as fast as possible because it's better matchups for them as fast as possible. You might say, well, Josh, wouldn't that also apply to Florida State and to Clemson? No, it would not, because you've got them under contract for so long. Right. Why would you send them to a league where you'd have to renegotiate their contract and pay them number one, pay them more off the bat? And number two, uh, at to pay them more again and later on when you've got Florida State and you've got Clemson and you've got Carolina and you've got Miami and you've got Duke and you've got Virginia, Virginia Tech and you've got, you know, these like, you know, so, you know, a pretty good roster of teams there. Like you've got enough and a ton of inventory too. Don't forget about the inventory they're getting on the ACC network and for basketball and all like all the things they're getting, just the amount of programming that they've got. Uh, they're getting that at a really good price. And it's only going to be a better price as time goes along. Why would they be down for that? They are going, if it was better off for them to get those schools into the SEC ASAP, that would be happening. Like they would find a way to make that work. Cause guess what? They're the ones with the TV contract. So like they could amend that. They, they are the one, like they, they hold the rights to it. This is not something that they would be down for. So that gets us to today's topic. So I just wanted to clear up those two things and, and folks, we can disagree or whatever. And if I'm wrong on this in the end, Sure, I, I'll be wrong. But my stance the entire time is the people I trust, who all of us trust, Brett McMurphy, Ross Dellinger, Nicole Auerbach, Pete Thamel, um, 
Dennis Dodd, all those folks, I have not seen anything out from them about, about the amount of money they can make. They know the court case is ongoing. I know the CFP is waiting in some ways to see what will happen with that court case and then try to you know, figure out what's going to happen. I think the CFP committee most likely would like them just to fold into the Mountain West because if they stay in a conference, they'll probably will fight this thing and see if they can get some cash out of it. But once again, guys, the Pac-12 has got only two teams. They cannot, cannot uh, fulfill their requirements in terms of all these bowls, and they will not get as much money in the NCAA tournament because there's only two teams. It's the teams have to actually have to go and show up. Like You get paid for shares of being involved in the tournament as well. That's important to note, too. And also the bowl games, like you get paid you know, because you put teams in the games. You only have two teams. We can go to two games. Rose Bowl contract that's getting folded into the CFP as well too. So like, how many games are they actually going to get? The payment. I'm just I'm wondering here, guys. Like that money most likely gets divided up and going elsewhere. Um, numbers that have been run have been run pre-breakup. So I, I really do believe this. That it, I have not seen anywhere else. I looked up 300 million dollars. Oregon State, Washington State. You'll find a lot of message board posts about it. You'll find a lot of conversation about it. But nobody really knows yet about what's going to happen. And my hunch is, is that if they retain the name and try to say, we still think we should get an automatic CFP bid, that's going to get fought. You've got two teams in the league. It does not, it, it like under the auspices of how, of how things are constructed and how things are assigned, it'd be really hard to get to, I think, make a compelling argument that you are still owed that because you are still in a conference, right? A power five conference. Um, you might be that in name, but in structure, like if you just look at it realistically, you are not right now. It's not your fault. So I, I think this, you know, this will probably all play out in court, but there are arguments on both sides. I just don't think Oregon state and Washington state are going to get the amount of money that is being talked about right now. Uh, and certainly not at this point, joining the big 12 conference. I think at this point in time that could always change, but there is no indication that that is coming, right? No indication about that. So kind of in summary on, on the Pac-12 piece of things, if they get the assets, what are the assets? How much money are they entitled to in terms of payouts? And how much of a claim do they still have to being a CFP conference? Can they take advantage of the grace period to move teams in the league uh, and still be a two-team league and get access? I've got some serious doubts about that. We will have to see. Some people say, Josh, there's no doubts. It's just in the contract. I mean, you know, once again, like that is... That, that would just absolutely make no sense, though, if a contract is written to where, well, it doesn't matter if we have a two-team conference. They are part of the Power Five. They have to be recognized. I mean, I think if you try to make that argument in court or, you know, like the settings, like it just, it's it's not one that I think carries much weight. And I think if there's hundreds of millions of dollars at stake, it will definitely, definitely get taken to court. Uh, you know, so I, I think those commissioners would have a difficult time, or excuse me, uh, Kirk Scholes, have a difficult time and, and company, which have a difficult time making argument that they are entitled to be a part of that because the Pac-12 is still alive, right? If they're able to fold the Mountain West into it, like, sure, we can talk. But if it's just a two-team league, I think the argument makes a lot, it becomes a lot harder to make. So let's talk about the ACC. This piece came out from Tomahawk Nation. Florida State and Clemson are tied together for potential ACC exit. This article discusses a couple articles, uh, other articles that were written. It says that Gene Sapikoff of the Post Courier first reported that Clemson administrators were in talks, both the SEC and the Big Ten, while Larry Williams of the Tigers Illustrated 
stated that he expects Clemson to announce a departure from the ACC in October. Uh, and they say that Clemson is taking a strength in numbers approach, which would hint at Clemson working with Florida State and possibly North Carolina on a conference exit strategy. Florida, Board of, uh, Florida State Board of Trustee member Drew Weatherford said it's best earlier this summer. FSU leaving the ACC was a matter of when and not if. Well, North Carolina has frequently been mentioned as a target for the Big Ten and SEC. It's hard to imagine the school was the bedrock of the conference, you know, like leaving a few months ago, all this kind of stuff. Right? The ACC did make the choice to add SMU, Cal, and Stanford kind of a backfilling type way. FSU, Clemson, and UNC all voted against it. Obviously, it's something that they're against, but the ACC is preparing for what is going to happen down the road. Um, Florida State and Clemson realize that staying in the ACC until 2036 will be death by a thousand cuts while their rivals get an extra $30 million a year in television revenue. Obviously, that's understandable. So, Sapikoff mentions that Clemson's preferred destination would be the SEC rather than the Big Ten. There has been some pushback in SEC circles, thanks to Greg Sankey's remarks regarding the league being unhappy at 16 members at SEC media days. As the Big Ten proved with their gutting of the Pac-12, leagues are going to deny anything regarding expansion until the moment invites are extended. In addition, there is a tired adage that Florida State and Clemson wouldn't be on the SEC's radar for expansion due to Florida and South Carolina. I don't believe that. I don't think anybody actually believes that. So uh, the one part about this I think we have to mention is um, how exactly Clemson, FSU, or UNC plan on dealing with the ACC's exit fee or grant of rights is still unclear, right? This is the big issue facing these schools. How do you get out of the Atlantic Coast Conference when we saw Oklahoma and Texas do it, potentially a blueprint? We saw the Big 12 schools not want to chase this thing as far as they possibly could because out of concerns that the grant of rights is not as strong as they thought. But the big difference here is they left with three years left in their contract. Take that, add a decade onto it, and you've got the grant of rights for the ACC. Right? So I heard ironclad for the ACC grant of rights. Maybe the Big 12s is an example that it's not as ironclad as we once thought, potentially, but it still could be, right? They are different grants of rights, grant of rights, whatever the plural is. Um, and the, here's the quote here. Gene Taylor said this. Big 12 bylaws were, quote, not as rock solid as everybody thought we could be tied up in lawsuits forever, end quote. Should be noted the Big 12's cost-benefits analysis to pursue things in court with only one year to go on the current grant of rights, right, because OU and Texas are leaving with only one year left on it, is a far cry from the ACC enforcing an additional 13 years. However, Clemson, FSU, and UNC have to feel emboldened by the relatively low cost it took for OU and Texas to break free from the Big 12, right? Not a massive cost to them for them to get away from the league. Uh, but yeah, FSU and Clemson, we think they're going to leave together. My big question is, how do you get out of a 13-year grant of rights, right? It is, people have, you know, they have posited a lot of theories here, but there has been nothing concrete about how they actually can get out of this thing. There's nothing concrete about that yet. We even saw... Stories about Florida State, uh, you know, recruiting the help of a private equity firm to help make this thing happen. And so I, I still am very skeptical. I understand the desire to get out. I'm skeptical it happens. To, I mean, it's going to happen. Like those schools are going to, I mean, we're heading towards the Super League anyway. Like I, 
you know, I, it's the inevitability here. I mean, but I just don't know how that happens. And to go back to my television point here, once again, if you are ESPN who has the SEC and who has the, uh, you know, you don't have the big 10, there's two bad options here. So like, yes, having Florida state and Clemson and Carolina in the SEC would be nice because they'd be in these big matchups and you're getting big ratings and be good. But the problem is this, you're going to end up paying more money in the immediate in terms of revenue distribution to those schools that you already have under contract, right? So like you already have these, these really good assets under contract, you have all this inventory. And so either they go to one of your other properties, the SEC, and you're paying them more money for that and they get to renegotiate in the near future, or you keep them at a really affordable price right now and you, you keep them for another seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, right? Like the ACC, uh, the ESPN has no incentive to let them go. And they probably don't want to let them go until like, the, you know, maybe you do it the next SEC contract just to make it all nice and pretty. But if you have these good brands for 13 years, like you might as well get a, a get your money's worth out of it. I mean, Clemson and, and Florida state still do very, very good television ratings. So to North Carolina and, and also the basketball content of the ACC, you know, it's a lot of inventory. Like they are filling a lot of hours for the ESPN families of network family of networks. And also obviously the ACC network too. And then the other option is ESPN will fight this thing to the death too, especially if these schools want to go to the big 10, because guess what? The ACC has, or uh, excuse me, ESPN has none, none of the big 10 television rights. So maybe to let them go, they'd get some too, but like, you know, maybe they, they do the old trade, right? They trade for some games. But here's the thing, guys, like they don't have any of that. So why would they let these schools walk? That's the big question. These schools will, are, I think they're, they're going to attempt some stuff to get out. I don't know if it works. Once again, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. So I don't know 110%, but I think we have to ask ourselves, like, how do you get out of that when it's 13 years long for the contract? And this is not a, you know, like I know we're talking about separate contract things. People might say, well, Josh, you don't, you know, you think one contract works, the other one might, might not. Yeah, I mean, a two-team conference trying to play in the college football playoff is a little bit different than uh, you trying to escape Mickey Mouse and Disney, right? Especially because in this situation too, uh, the Mickey Mouse is going to be on side on the side of the big conferences when it comes to CFP because they want big brands in the CFP. So, I think I think these schools want to try to do it, but man, I just what's the path? Somebody show me the path. If you say, well, eight schools want to do it, sure. But what eight schools and where are they all going? The Big 12 could definitely add some schools. Yeah, sure. They'd be interested in Louisville and Pitt and places like that. But the eight schools that have to leave, like, have to know where they're going. Is it three to the Big 10, three to the SEC? And, uh, you know, end up two or three to the Big 12? What is it? Like, who are the schools? And is there a guaranteed spot for them? That's why I think this thing is going to be dragged out a little bit longer than everybody thinks it is going to be. It's not just going to be one quick move. So, Everybody's eyes are on the ACC now, but like I think it's a bit more of a longer. Well, in the immediate, everybody's eyes are on uh, Wazoo and, and Oregon State. I think in the immediate, though, that's what it is. But like you know, kind of bigger picture, I think we're all thinking about what's going to happen with the ACC, Florida State, and Clemson. So they're pushing. It sounds like, and they might announce, but when does it mean they can actually leave? Right, and you you want an exit strategy. So I'm, I'm compelled. Uh, this, this situation compels me because I don't know how they're going to handle it. But it's it's out there. I just thought this would be an interesting article to share with you all. Uh, this article is obviously from, it's from 8 a.m. this morning on Tuesday. So, uh, you know, 
Uh, SB Nation articles are always fun exercises. You always have to understand that they are usually from fan bases or people who cover certain teams. So have to understand the slant like Florida State. You know, if you're covering Florida State, you probably do have some incentive. You, know, you want those schools. Uh, you want to leave and go to the, the Big Ten. So you want this to be true. So we have to understand it from that perspective too. But a lot of shifting plates. The, the, the big ripples, you know, they, they kind of come apart, but uh, there's still some, some, big, some big moves that are going to happen here. All right, time for the Big 12 Power Rankings. We are a Big 12 podcast predominantly, but obviously that stuff could impact the Big 12. So let's go to the Power Rankings. Do-do-do. As we warp in, Week 5, Big 12 Power Rankings. Texas still at number one after a easy victory over uh, Kansas. K-State number two. I know oh, you had a nice win against Iowa State, but I had K-State number two last week. I'm not going to punish them for not playing. Oklahoma has a chance to jump them both this week with a victory. If Oklahoma beats Texas, that's going to be your number. And it's not like a complete fluke or some blown call or whatever. That is your number one team in the league. So that's, you know, it's why I kind of kept everything stagnant where it is. One of the big movers, it is West Virginia up three spots to number four in the, my uh, in my power rankings. I think it makes a lot of sense here. West Virginia gets a win over TCU. Um, you know, do I do I know if on a neutral field they beat everybody or you know in a lot of these games? No, but so far performance wise, they've got to be your number three team. Number five, I'm keeping Kansas after the defeat. They're number four before they put up a nice effort. Uh, Lance Leipold and company, they seem prepared. They were taking a lot of punches in that game. They bent. They eventually did break, but it was not a bad performance. Like overall, I mean, Texas should beat them like that, and so I don't feel uh, weird. I don't. I don't feel bad about keeping them on there. TCU, or BYU, excuse me, at number six. I don't know. I don't think BYU is better than TCU. I don't think BYU is better than Tech. I don't think BYU is better than Baylor. And I'm not sure they're better than UCF. But they are four and one. They are optimistic. So they're catching these teams right now. If they keep catching them, we have to give them the respect that they are owed. So they are number six in this week's rankings, but they have to stay behind KU because they did lose head-to-head to Kansas two weeks ago. TCU at number seven, down two spots. I still think they're better than Texas Tech. I think it's a pretty close game when they do eventually play, but still like, yikes, man. Like just that's that performance last week. I'm just saying Sonny Dice getting a little bit of benefit of the doubt here. Chandler Morris is pretty good. Like they've got some talent in this team. Just got to put this thing together. They're not putting it together game to game, quarter to quarter. All right, second half of the rankings, you've got Texas Tech up one spot to number eight. Big win against Houston, uh, but also TC got a big win against Houston too. So I'm not going to like give, you know, a tie, not going to put them over. And they're still two and three on the season. Baylor at number nine, up four spots. After their rally, showed a lot of character, a lot of heart, and I can't say any of these teams behind them right now are are better than them. UCF has to be at number ten, dropping four spots because of that performance. Iowa State at number eleven, they are down one. Oklahoma State was on a buy, but I had to push somebody down to get Baylor up there. So Oklahoma State, I mean, you're towards the bottom anyway, and you did lose to Iowa State, so that's why they they have to be where they are. Cincinnati's up one spot. I don't think they're the worst team in the league anymore. Honestly, they might be kind of decent if they had an average quarterback or above average quarterback. You know, he played kind of well last week. He still had a pick six. If they had, you know, a more consistent quarterback play, I think that that could put them higher, but no. And then Dana Holgerson, welcome to hell, baby. You are in the bottom. You and your Houston Cougars have not been very impressive. And because of that, 
you are the seller dweller right now. All right, there you go. That's your Big 12 Power Rankings debate. Discuss, like the video, leave your comments as well. John Kurtz on tomorrow's show, which should be a lot of fun. We'll talk to him. All things Big 12 football, Texas, the best team in the league, all those things and more coming up on tomorrow's show. All right, folks, we'll see you then.